are a legendary rock and roll band who are still as heavy as ever, performing the classic You Keep Me Hanging On. Please welcome Vanilla Fun! Yeah! yeah! Welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. Today and every day, reaching out for innovative ideas in every way. Yeah! Today's show is yeah! brought to you by your future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Ooh, make a better stay now, baby. Hello and welcome to Better Each Day. Bruce Hilliard here and I'd like to remind you to go to Spotify and give some good lovin' to my new EP, Pawn Shop Boulevard. You're hearing the song Hold On in the background. The additional four songs are available to add to your playlists on about 20 different streaming platforms. I always refer people to Spotify because that's the biggie. It's free and easy and by going to Spotify, and playing the songs, saving them to a playlist, or sharing any kind of traffic will let them know that we're serious about our music. Today's guest is one of the most famous drummers of all time. He's a teacher, a session player, and known by probably more boomer recording artists than any other drummer. He's played with Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, Brian May of Queen, and was the drummer for Vanilla Fudge. Please welcome Carmine Apiece. He worked with Ozzy Osbourne and his boss, Sharon. Uh, that must have been a trip. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered. It was uh, a trip. Yeah, yeah, she fired me from the tour. Yeah. yeah. Because she said, in her own words, it's all in my book. She said, uh, your name is too big. You need to start your own band. Yeah, she didn't like the fact that she gave it to me in my contract. My own merch and my own PR person. And plus, I, I, I did clinics. Master classes every day in every market, the music store, because I was well in tune to that that part of the business. You know, I had a book out, an educational book that sold 400,000 units. It was a big book. A lot of people went through it. A lot of big drummers now went through my book. And, you know, I was out there promoting it and doing master classes and making extra cash, a lot of cash on that tour. So all my master classes were sold out. Now, from going from a 10,000, 18,000-seat venue to a 50-person master class, everyone paid a fee, and I, I got it in cash every day. And she didn't like it. So she fired me, pretty much, because of that. So I ended up going to court with them, and, you know, we had a, a decision. But I didn't want to do that. I wanted to play with Ozzy. I wanted to, you know, help drum sounds and write songs and I never got to do it. Yeah. And you know what? I've never talked to her since. Uh, that, that sucks. 1980, 1984, I talked to Ozzy a couple of few times. You know? Yeah. And um, matter of fact, when I was putting King Cobra together, which was the band I put together after that, I was in the same rehearsal hall that Ozzy was and I got a big record deal, merch deal, and I bought trucks and motorhomes and we were painting them all white, you know, and Ozzy was there auditioning drummers, funny enough. And he came out and said, Carm, what are you doing? I said, um, well, I'm taping up the window of my motorhome so we can paint it. He said, oh, you need a hand? I said, sure. So Ozzy got up on a little ladder and he was like, helping me tape up the window of the motorhome. <laughs> For some reason, you can't see Ozzy up on a ladder, but... I know, I know. It was, I was worried he was going to fall off, but then he came into the rehearsal hall. He was the first one to watch the King Cobra show from top to bottom. 
and he loved it. You know, I could never tour with him because of Sharon, you know? Yeah. You know, we, we were bitter enemies. And when a book came out, you know, the opening stories about me being with Rod, uh, Ozzy, and, you know, I did some press, and, you know, and some, some of the headlines were, Carmine of Peace, Sharon Osbourne, the most vicious woman in rock. <laughs> and they would, they would call her for a comment. She goes, I didn't even know who he is. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So when I left, when she fired me, she goes, I left for medical reasons. I made Ozzy sick. <laughs> Ridiculous. Oh, oh, man. She said the same thing about the Smashing Pumpkins when she fired them. Or when they left her, she was managing them. Oh, she sounds lovely. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then she became a star herself, which I couldn't believe, to tell you the truth. Uh, yeah, kind of a strange way to do it. I think that was one of the first reality shows ever was uh, their family show. It was. Yeah. I, it was. But, but, you know, you had that uh, thing MTV had, which was the first reality show. Yeah, I, remember, I remember saying to one of the light guys who was with Ozzy when I was with him, I said, I can't believe Ozzy's letting us that show go out and he makes him look like an idiot. I know. That's Doesn't he care? And then the guy looked at me and said, what did Ozzy care about anything? I said, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah. And MTV really took a weird, well, it always has. It, it never, yeah. it wasn't really MTV for very long. It turned into something else. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no now it's MTV, but it's not music television. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's everything but. It's all it's all reality shows because you know they're the ones that presented that show. Or a show about a kid on a skateboard banging his nuts on a rail or something. Oh, ridiculous! Yeah, I mean, you know, it was better when it was music TV. You know, I liked it better. It gave you a place to go with the music. Now there's no way to go to YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same. Not the same. Mm -hmm, yeah. You know, I went on CNN when CNN just started. I did an interview with a DJ from KLOS in California. Rod, uh, Rachel Donio was her name. Mm. And she did a, an interview which just, you know, just said CNN in the lower left-hand corner before they were even known by anybody. You, you were a pioneer with CNN. Lewis and Clark, yeah. 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 Well, they have big plans. I don't even know where I, I don't even know where they were on because it wasn't uh, there wasn't no internet then, yet. Oh, you know? so I don't know. I don't even know. What, it was like 1982. I don't know what they must have had a channel. They were on like a Channel 11 in LA or something. I don't know. Cable was just kind of, yeah. kind of coming out of infancy about then. Actually, that's what it was. It was cable. It was on cable. Yeah, it, it was, wasn't. It wasn't on the internet. It was on cable. Yeah, cable news network. Yeah, but it was brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it was uh, the beginnings of <laughs> fake news shows. And people say, oh, can Exactly. Oh, oh, my God. The news, it's ridiculous now. I, I know. You yeah. don't want to watch it. I mean, you make, it makes you wonder if this whole pandemic is really due to them freaking everybody out. Well, don't you have a, you a lot of time on your hands to sit around and ponder? Is this some sort of a weird, you know scam propaganda deal or what the hell you know yeah well i mean i've, I've read so many uh conspiracy theories uh, bob daisley who played with ozzy always he's a very into conspiracy theories he sent me at least three or four videos of different pe people that are saying this is all done by the one percent of the richest people in the world to get control of the world so they can release vaccines that are going to have uh um uh, things in the vaccine which will end up 
giving them more control over people. And this proves that people can be controlled because the whole world is on lockdown. You know, crazy stuff. Yeah, you know? well, it's kind of crazy, sci- crazy stuff. sci-fi element to it, the Twilight yeah. Zone episode. Well, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I have an album called uh, Guitar Zeus. I don't know if you know about yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, well, Guitar Zeus has a song we wrote in 1997. And, uh, you know, everyone says that we're, it's feel like we're in a movie, a sci-fi movie. Well, this the song was called Code 19. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, and, and the opening line feels like we're living in a movie, right? Yeah. Zach Wilde's the guitarist, and in the chorus, it had homicide, suicide, and germicide, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, genocide, I'm sorry, genocide. Okay. So I started li- listening to the song, I said, oh my God, this was like a premonition of now, you know? Who came up and, with the song and, but, I, but I didn't. It's called Code 19. Yeah, who can, uh, Why 19? My, my, my co-writer. Exactly. I called him. I said, why 19? Why not 13? He goes, I don't know. It just felt good to sing Code 19. It felt good to sing it. Oh, man. You know? <laughs> I said, that is really crazy. It's like a premonition. Ooh, so then I, I said, well, well, you got you genocide in there. Okay. The whole world, people dying. I said, but what about suicide and homicide? And then I started hearing about these doctors around the world committing suicide because they couldn't take doing this, uh, dealing with this stuff. And I said, oh, my God. Now we got suicide, genocide. If we hear homicide, you know, soon, about it has something to do with this virus, it totally takes in the whole chorus. You should listen to the song. Go on YouTube, listen to Code 19. I, I was going to do a, a lyric video. And I said, you know what, I'll do it when it's over. <laughs> You know, oh, I didn't want to do it like doing it like to prey on the uh, everyone's bad luck. You know what I'm saying? Oh uh, yeah, you have integrity, and I think there's a lot yeah, of people yeah. trying to make a buck. I didn't want to do this. I just feel 
you know, about two weeks ago, my brother, uh, two and a half weeks ago, my brother called up and said, you know, with all these guys doing these uh, lockdown videos with their bands, like Blue Oyster Cult, I saw Blue Oyster Cult, a couple other bands, mm-hmm. we should do one with the Drum Wars band, you know, with a, a Peace Brothers band. I said, yeah, that'd be a great idea. So he said, well, let's you do the biggest song off our album, which was Monsters and Heroes. You know, the lyrics for Monsters and Heroes was all about Ronnie James Dio. I don't know if you know that song. Yeah, I do. Okay. So he said, let's do that song. I said, great, let's do that. So then he started recording. He did the drum, his drums first, sent it to audio, our guitar player. He did the guitar, and he was going to be the guy to put it all together because he does audio and video. So we sent it to him. He sent it to me. I did my drums, and the singer did the vocal, and the bass player did the vocal. But, but then at the beginning of last week, then he said, you know what's really freaky? I said, what? He goes, we're doing this video, Monsters and Heroes, the song's about Ronnie, and, and next Saturday, next May 16th, is Ronnie's 10th anniversary of his death. I said, wow. He said, we should celebrate Ronnie with this video and dedicate this video to Ronnie and, you know, and make a thing of it with the video and the audio to radio, you know, and make a deal of it that it's Ronnie's 10th anniversary of his passing. I said, that's a great idea. Let's hire a PR person to get interviews and talk about it and really talk about Ronnie and celebrate Ronnie. You know, because he was such a nice guy. He was like family to us. You know, when Vinny played with him, we used to come to our Christmas house, our family Christmas party, because my whole family was in L.A. in the Los Angeles area where Ronnie lived. The Easter birthday parties. Even when I got married one time, uh, he set up uh, at a strip bar, he set up my bachelor party, <laughs> you know. And when I walked into the strip bar with my manager, it was a surprise bachelor party. My manager said, we're going to go to the strip bar and celebrate your, your getting married. I said, okay. So I walk in and I see Ronnie in the lobby. I go, what are you doing here? He said, I come here all the time. I said, oh, so cool, man. So at least I know somebody. I walk in, everyone goes, surprise. <laughs> Next thing I know, I'm on stage with 40, 40 boobs out <laughs> taking a picture. Well, at least it was an even number of boobs, huh? Exactly. There's 20 women. So anyway, <laughs> you know, so Ronnie math. set that up. So, so he was, yeah, he did the math, right? So he, he was pretty close to us. He was like a, a, another brother in our family, you know? So, so when Vinny mentioned that, I said, no, this is perfect, man. We, you know, and at the beginning, we didn't start it to do any, you know, just to do it for ourselves. And now it's turned into a, a celebration of Ronnie, which is really great, you know? Well, that's good. When does that drop? It's going to drop on May 16th. We're going to send you guys the link. All yeah. the guys are doing interviews with. You'll probably have the link on Friday. Now, we, now, uh, we just saw the video completed today, and it looks awesome. Well, let's put it on, and I'll introduce it. It's a song dedicated to Ronnie James Dio. It has both Vinny and Carmine a piece on drums. Vocals, Paul Shortino. Guitar, David Henserling and Mick Sueda. Bass, Johnny Rod, background vocals by Cast of Thousands, and it was written by Paul Shortino, David Henserling, and Carmine Apiece. Here's a little taste of Monsters and Zeros, a song dedicated to Ronnie James Dio. It's very- 
got a lot going on for for this uh, indefinite yeah, vacation. I know. I mean, yeah. And, and yeah, and we're moving. We're packing. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing stuff up in my drum room for Facebook. You know, I, I got to do a shout out to Italy. You know, for their for their epidemic over there, pandemic over there. Yeah. I'm doing stuff on my Facebook. I did the drums for this video. We've been editing the video, editing the audio, editing Cactus' uh, new album. They're mixing it, and uh, I'm moving. And every one, every Thursday, I, I call my own radio station. I have about ten stations. I call. I do a thing called "Where in the World Is Carmine?" and tell them what's going on, <laughs> you know, and what's the weather like, you know. And it, I've been doing that fifteen years for a bunch of different stations all around the country and around the world. Sometimes oh, that's so cool. So, well, I can't. Yeah, tell so I'm you, busy. I yeah. can't tell you what an honor it's been to have you on the show. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, and. And I always love Seattle. You know, part of our biggest, uh, Vanilla Fudge, our biggest audiences were in Seattle. Oh, and I was in it, so. Yeah, we used to play the 8,000 and 9,000 seat places there and, and play there with Hendrix. And uh, it was always a big, a big market for us in Seattle. And I think some of those grunge bands took some of what we did and added it to that grunge thing, you know, the slow down. <laughs> Yeah, everything slowed down, grungy, you know, vanilla fudgy stuff. You know, I have no doubt. Yeah, I know you influence a lot of stuff I do, and uh, it's, yeah, it, yeah. So have you have you listened to the whole Guitar Zeus record? Everybody good on it. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, do you do Spotify? Yeah, I do. Okay, all all thirty two tracks. There's thirty two tracks of Guitar Zeus. Actually, there was Guitar Zeus one, Guitar Zeus two. Then I did Guitar Zeus Japan. Guitars is Korea, you know, and then I had other tracks like the track with Bumblefoot on it was a track we never finished. I finished it in 2018 for the release of 2019 in America. And I never really released it here properly. And now at least a lot of people are hearing it. And, uh, you know, the record sales aren't like they should have been around the world when I released it in the 90s. I sold about 200,000 records around the world of one or two in Korea and Japan, you know, but, uh, now, you know, nobody sells 200,000 records. No, but, but it, but it did. Okay. A lot of people know about it is which, what I wanted, you know, because I thought it's one of some of the best stuff I've done in my career and nobody in America heard it. Yeah. You know, but now a lot of people have heard it in the videos, you know, with Brian May and, and Bumblefoot and, and Ingve and Doug Pinnock. We've gotten some airplay on YouTube and, and uh, I had some video promotion companies promoting it, and I had different people promoting it when it came out. So actually, people, everyone I talked to about it has heard it, and has definitely heard some of the songs. So uh, I'm real happy about that because that was one of the best things I've done in my career. And I, you know, I co-wrote it, I produced it. I, I, it was my concept, my whole idea. Great vocal, Kelly Keeling. I got Edgar Winner singing. I got Doug, Doug Pinnock singing. I got uh, Tony Franklin on bass. The sounds, the concept was Soundgarden, who I loved. Yeah, we did it in mid '90s. It still sounds now, which is amazing. Soundgarden meets Blue Murder meets the Beatles. <laughs> okay, with named guitar players. And the the reason I put the name the guitar players on it was to do an album which would bring attention to the album. You know, and I got Slash, Ingray Mouse, and Richie Sambora. Elliot Easton from the cause, Ingrid, uh, I said Ingrid, uh Bumblefoot, 
uh, Zach Wilde, Ted Nugent, Dweezil Zappa, uh, Jennifer Batten, Leslie West. Even got John McEnroe, Steven Seagal, <laughs> Seymour Duncan, <laughs> John right? McEnroe. Bob Daisley. Right, amazing. You know? <laughs> Stevie Solace, I played with Rock Stewart for a while. Yeah. Uh, I, and I'm leaving out a bunch. There's a lot. I can't think of them all when I start naming oh, yeah, them. Yeah, those are all, uh, all big uh, names. Ty Tabor, <clears throat> Ty Tabor from King's X. Um, it's really, really uh, uh, Doug Alders before Doug made it big. You know, uh, uh, Bruce Kulik, they're all coming back to me now. You know, Bruce Kulik from Kiss. It's just a really, really amazing, amazing record. Great drum sound, great bass sound. Tony Franklin just plays his butt off. We got one song called Perfect Day, which is like a Beatle, total Beatle ballad with strings and mellotrons and amazing vocals. Kelly Keeling's vocals they are tremendous. It's cold outside I love it Just to feel the sunrise Upon your face Nothing but good inside My heart by the sea It's only flash Guess that's how it's gonna be space to find Time to find what really means to build your soul online Lord, you know And I know couple of guitar players from uh, Japan, one Jap- Japanese guy, this guy Chad that I played with, with Tim Bogart, and we, we sold out 12,000 people in, in Tokyo. And he's a great guitar player, a song called Angels. And, um, and another one uh, couldn't be better, I was in a movie called Dish Dogs that had a guitar player from uh, a Korean band, a big Korean band. So it, it's really a lot. I got Denny Lane doing a, a thing by himself from Wings. Yeah. You know, it's really a unique killer album and done by a drummer. A guitar Zeus by a drummer. I, I understand yeah. what you're doing, though, with the, with the name, I, you know. That was the idea, yeah. a drummer doing guitar Zeus. So when it came out, I was doing interviews all over the world in guitar magazines, drum magazines, and rock magazines. It was great. Like, I remember one in Europe was Eddie Van Halen on blah, 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 Karma and a Peace on Guitar Zeus, and it was a guitar player magazine. <laughs> you know, so it's really, it, 
you know, the idea worked. It took me two years to find it. Oh, excuse me, Brian May's on it. Too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh, I forgot wow. to mention him. Uh, when I came out with the idea, it took me two years to find a manager to get me a record deal. Because all these guys I talked to said, well, if you get Ted Nugent and Brian May, they were the first two that said they would do it. Uh, wow. You'd get a letter from them saying that they would do it. And then, you know, I can get a record. I said, dude, I'm not going to ask Ted Nugent and Brian May for a letter. I said, you know, I got to have a deal. And then I can ask them to just, I got the deal. Let's do the record. You know? So that's what we did. It took me two years to find a guy. He got the money from Japan in the 90s, where I spent most of my career because grunge was happening here. And grunge made all of us guys look like dinosaurs, so nobody wanted to bother with us. Mm. So a lot of us spent time in Japan. I spent like the whole decade in Japan. I made myself a big name in Japan. You know? And then, uh, so we got money out of Japan, and I was playing with a big... Uh, Japan group with Tony Franklin. That's how I got the deals over there. And uh, so I did them 96 and 97. 95 and 97, I did two records. And 98, I did Katazu's Japan. 99, I did Katazu's Korea. Then I toured with Char Bogart in a piece. We did a major tour over there. We did a record over there. You know, so it was great. And then I sold all that stuff and I was doing all these interviews. And Katars just hit the burn charts over there at number four. You know, it did really well in Japan and Europe. I just sold 50,000 in Europe alone. Yeah, I really got it out now in America where people have heard about it. And not everybody, you know, but I got a lot of, you know, downloads. I got a lot of views on Spotify, you know, hundreds of thousands of Spotify's. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how many views on YouTube. People know about it now, and I'm, I'm happy about that. I didn't make a lot of money, and all the money I made, I put back into the advertising. Like, I'm about to do some more ads for, uh, when this thing code, go, closes down a little bit for Code 19. It's been an honor. I really uh, appreciate your time. You took more time than, than I expected you would. You're a busy guy. Yeah, but, it, you know, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, and I could go on from there. I, I was commenting yeah. on how creative you were with uh, the Guitar yeah. Zeus pro project and, and, and Brian yeah. May. And what was Brian May going to do without Freddie Mercury? And I thought that was pretty creative with what they did. You know, they found a yeah. guy that, yeah. that, that was athletic yeah. enough to sing like that. Yep. And, uh, you know, I liked him when they had Paul Rogers. So I went to see him. Yeah. You know, when they had Paul Rogers, I, I, I thought it was great because Paul just did the Queen stuff like Paul. I thought it was really great. And they still sold out big arenas, but I guess they didn't care for it. They wanted somebody with more flamboyant. When I first saw them with, I saw them uh, in 2017, 18, we did Sweden Rock Festival. It was in all sorts. And they went, we played on one stage and they went on the headlining right after us. And I saw them with, with uh, Adam Lambert, Adam Lambert. Yeah. And, and I didn't think he fit in because you got, you know, you got Brian with his gray hair and Roger with gray hair. And then you got the singer, you know, who's <laughs> young and got all these flamboyant things on. And, and, and Roger and, and Brian weren't really dressed up. It didn't look like, you know. And, and it didn't look like it fit, you know. <laughs> then when I saw him last year in Florida, he dressed down a bit and Brian and Roger dressed up a bit. And it fit more. 
It's been better. I really enjoyed it. Every time I see Brian in a picture or a video or anything now where he's just being casual, he's wearing sweats all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, is, he is. I think it's well, same with us. When I'm wearing a T-shirt in this uh, <laughs> video we're doing with Vinny. You, know, you can't see my pants, so. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, right now I'm wearing a pair, pair of jeans. I'm wearing a, uh, an Affliction long sleeve shirt with buttons on the side on the front and the side and a pair of sketches, you know, and that's very comfortable. I got all dressed up because I'm going to the store to get some groceries right now. So. Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. I got, now we got a different array of masks, polka dot masks and different patterns. And <laughs> I saw online some, some guy was advertising King Cobra masks and cactus masks. Oh, cool. Right. And he, and he doesn't have the license for it. You know, just everybody's well. Go after him. Come on, it costs more for an attorney than probably this guy sold. <laughs> no, you know? and you probably get so, bad press out of it too. Yeah, so let him let him sell it. Yeah. Keeps the names going. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all good. So uh, yeah, cool man. I appreciate it. You'll be getting a link from John Lappin yeah, of, yeah. of this video. And I'll tell you what's different about you know. Have you seen some of these videos? Right, like I saw Bruce the Colt, and I saw. Chicago, you know, and you know, they're good. Everybody's all got a camera on them and they're all playing. This video is edited. I mean, we've like, this video has so much energy and the, and the screens keep changing, you know, it's really exciting. Yeah. And our guitar player, Artie Dillon, he, he edited it and mixed everything. It's really exciting. And we got a front thing that dedicates it to Ronnie with a, with a shadow of Ronnie doing the, you know, the, the rock fingers, you know, with the two devil horns, and on the back, you know, the same thing, and it's really cool, really cool. I'm stoked. Yeah, so you'll get it. Nice to talk to you. All right, thanks a lot, Tom. We'll talk. Thank you, bro. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to the Better Each Day podcast radio show with Bruce Hilliard. We'll be back with a new horizon, but until then, honor the future. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. And we're all just trying to make the next day a bit better.